Welcome to another episode of the Hat Collecting Talk Show. I am your host, Lacey Artemis, and today I am joined by Jimmy Ruffian, who is a musician, a broadcaster, an activist, a cat dad, and more. He is the man behind uh, the Rough Go Musical Act and the Rough Report Political Internet Show. Welcome, Jimmy. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I And wow, you, you made me sound like I wear so many hats. <laughs> That's kind of the point. You, you get, yeah, the, yeah, get yeah. the idea. <laughs> All the hats I have, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, just one little quick thing to, to note. I'm not, it might not even be noticeable, but uh, I'm a little bit under the weather today, so I might <laughs> sound a little bit rough. Um, That's all right. But uh, but we should be fine because I try to let the guests do most of the talking anyways. <laughs> um, I, I'm good at that sometimes. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> you, you do an internet show, so yeah. that, that makes sense. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, as you might've picked up on by now, if you've watched the, the preceding three episodes before this one, um, mm -hmm. I have a series of questions that I follow and, uh, kind of do a few minutes for each question usually. So cool. our uh, first question here is, uh, tell me about some of the projects that you're currently working on. Uh, yeah, there's a few things on the, the burner, uh, right now, so to speak. Uh, I'm, if anything, guilty of having too many irons in the fire, but, uh, primarily things, uh, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> I think we could all relate a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I always intended to do, uh, the, the, the podcast I've been thinking about for many years. In fact, if you go to my YouTube channel, uh, I have a video from about four years ago, five years ago, that was called the Rough Report episode one, uh, where it was like a pre-recorded thing that I did. And then I literally never touched the channel again after that, always intending to kind of like, okay, I'm going to do that again one day. So COVID happened. And so naturally I thought, okay, this is a great opportunity to, uh, you know, collect that hat and uh, start doing the podcast. So that's been kind of an ongoing project. Uh, I'm always sort of rethinking in, uh, the show in like its format and uh, ways to improve it. And, you know, so far the format has been kind of pretty loose and unscripted. I just generally have some guidelines uh, that I'm following. Like I'll open a bunch of tabs with like news stories that I want to cover. And that's basically like from left to right, that's my show. Um, but you know, uh, it's an ongoing project. I always consider it perpetually in its beta testing phase. Uh, and then on top of that, of course, there's the, the musical project. Uh, I just played my first show since like February, uh, on, uh, Saturday, uh, September 5th. And, um, yeah, that was uh, interesting because it was like I was on stage kind of facing a window playing to the people outside. Uh, so that seems to be the way a lot of shows are uh, for the foreseeable future. And uh, I've been working on an EP uh, this entire time while COVID's been going on as well. Is originally actually supposed to re be released in March, but we took uh, COVID as a bit of a blessing to kind of um, not rush it and mm -hmm. take a really slow uh, approach to it and make sure that, you know, the whole process of releasing it is done, I don't know, a little wiser than I've uh, tended to try and release things in the past, you know. Uh, so, yeah, the, the EP is essentially done. Uh, most of the mixing and mastering is done on it. But, uh, you know, uh, now it's just kind of hashing the plan to um, release it and subject the world to it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so the the exciting things there. Uh, I released one track onto SoundCloud so far, just to kind of give people a taste of 
what's to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so like overall between like the podcast and, and the music, I consider them um, almost like a symbiotic sort of thing, right? Like the, the music kind of has its political connotations and then uh, the podcast obviously does because that's the majority of the content on it. And uh, yeah, so that's like basically my, my two main things sort of one big thing (laughs) yeah no that's uh i know and again i know there's there's other stuff kind of going on but we we do usually we focus on kind of our our main stuff that we're doing Mm -hmm. um yeah i kind of myself also have two sort of main prongs right now and then a little bit of kind of side stuff that i'm that i'm doing and it's it's interesting for me because i for a long long time i never had less than like three things going and uh, I felt like I never could. And now it's like, oh, but then when you land on something, it's like, oh, this scratches several itches and it feels like really yep. like I hit something. <laughs> and it's like, oh, hey, now I actually am content doing like, like being able to focus on on fewer things finally. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good feeling when you like, yeah, it suddenly you're, you, you feel a little satisfied with yourself and what you're doing. And it's like, oh, OK, this is the thing. This is uh, what I got to keep doing. And the, yeah, that's sort of what the rough go yeah, has uh, become for me at, at, at this point. It scratches, as you say, several itches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, interesting, I feel like coming out of that question is a reason why I put this one second in the list is um, when you were younger, if you remember, do you remember what you wanted to be or do when you grew up? Yes. Uh is essentially this uh i like grew up um always sort of being an entertainer uh so to speak um not necessarily very political that didn't come until a little bit later in my life um but yeah as a kid like uh you know one of the people i admired the most was uh jim carrey and being uh you know kind of admiring his road to success and you know he's a fellow canadian that grew up not too far from where i grew up in hamilton and um you know kind of knowing his uh propensity for high energy kind of almost like you know adhd level type of uh comedy uh i identified with that a lot and um you know it's just it, that feeling and, and expressing myself in that way already uh, sort of came naturally so like i was a drama kid in school i was in the music classes you know doing all that stuff to you know just sort of become a better entertainer but then uh as i got into my teens um you know uh i think i was in 10th grade not to date myself too much uh when 9-11 happened and, you know, such like a big kind of, you know, everywhere in the news and the media and your adults around you are telling you how big and important this thing is supposed to be. And I kind of had no concept of what was going on and I didn't know what to make of it. And uh, that, that kind of that, that was a waking up moment uh, for me to start being concerned uh, about what's going on in the world politically. And that was kind of my road, uh, to becoming uh, a leftist, uh, essentially. And kind of like, I grew up in a punk rock background too, musically speaking and punk rock for the most part has always been a kind of progressive leftist, uh, ideology in a lot of ways. And so I identified with it for that reason. And that's what kind of got me, 
thinking along those lines that like music and politics or my art in politics and my self-expression in politics are are somewhat married to each other you know they're intrinsic to each other so yeah it was the uh, i kind of grew up leading myself to kind of be in this position i think yeah it's like i, th I think i imagined myself having uh you know as people tend to do imagine myself having a much uh bigger audience and being you know a much bigger rock star and you know that sort of thing uh but nonetheless i think i'm still doing what i always sort of intended to <laughs> uh, the uh, the reason that i like to ask that question is because i am curious uh i know for a lot of people the thing that they thought that they wanted to do when they were younger isn't what they end up doing or maybe if they do end up doing it it ends up being relegated to like a side project and so very few people actually get to like do what they've always wanted to do as like a job and yeah i'm curious to see through these interviews how often that is the case uh yeah it's it's semi like i would call myself in terms of like actually making a living off of what i do uh largely speaking uh I, I, I'm, if I did the plus minus over the years, I'd still be very much in the minuses. Uh, no doubt about it. I've spent more money uh, trying to accomplish this than I have made it. But uh, I can say, like, ever since I'm more focused on being a solo musician and kind of not um, having the constraints of working with other people, not to say working with other people is always negative, but uh, just, you know, that's how it worked out for me. Uh, and... Um, yeah, like uh, I started being more successful after that when I could kind of take control and do what I wanted to do. And something that I've always tried to do my entire adult life is no matter what job I had, you know, to make money and, and keep a roof over my head and whatever, it always had to, uh, to a degree, leave room to be able to do music, leave room to be able to do, you know, these creative projects. Uh, if if it, if it was the type of job that would consume my life, it would be a job that I would not have for very long. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I just always consider this such a high priority that, like, you know, even if I don't make any money off of it, even if I don't become, like, you know, what you call a true professional, it's something I would regret not doing regardless. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just have to. Yeah. yeah. So I think you had said that you were you were kind of came up in like the punk scene in a punk band, like because yep. that's kind of one of the other questions is like kind of when did you get started? How long have you been at this? Like how old mm -hmm. are you now? Kind of thing. Uh, yeah. I, well, uh, in terms of actually becoming a musician, I picked up a uh, guitar when I was twelve years old. Uh, it was about uh, the beginning of the school year, so it would have been September of seventh grade, something like that. Uh, and I, I picked it up, uh, because, uh, my dad was a, a guitar player, like more of a hobbyist and stuff, but he had a few guitars around the house. And then, uh, my older brother, um, started learning a couple songs on guitar. And then I thought, well, I could do that. And, uh, so, you know, you see a little bit of monkey see monkey do sort of thing going on there. Uh, and so I started learning guitar as well and i kind of became obsessed with it and that was sort of my thing ever since um and yeah that's sort of what led me all through school from then on to kind of be the the drama music arts kid um 
I, I was like a, a bit more of a jock before that, to be honest. I, I, I was a hockey player. I was uh, on the basketball team in middle school, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, then, then punk rock came along. <laughs> and so, yeah, per, pretty much, I guess, yeah, for, uh, it, the road was really kind of cemented right around when I was about 12 years old. Okay. And are you comfortable saying how old you are now? Yeah, I'm 34. Uh, yeah, uh, I, uh, yeah, I'm 34 now. So I've been doing this music thing for 22 years, I guess, altogether. Um, yeah. And, uh, it's just kind of getting better all the time. uh, It feels like so. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's another one of the aspects of this kind of line of questioning is, uh, to, to kind of uh, examine that idea that like, if you don't reach a certain point of success or a point of accomplishment by age 30, then you might as well give up because it's too late. And I know that's not true. (laughs) I I think that's completely absurd. And I know a lot of people have that attitude. That is like a really kind of common cultural phenomenon. But uh, yeah, I can't say I'm on board with that idea Uh, that that's it's just a weird sort of arbitrary sort of cultural milestone that you're supposed to turn 30 and suddenly be the 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 perfect image of traditional adulthood and uh that that ain't me and that that isn't most of the people that i know Mm -hmm. um you know so uh yeah i don't know that seems that that always seemed way too boring to me yeah, <laughs> it's something that I think I, I internalized a lot more when I was younger, but I think I've really, like, I'm 36 right now, and mm-hmm. I, I'm i seeing how, like, basically, to get to be fair to yourself, you have to recognize, like, first, you kind of have to know what, like, you have to know what you want to do, you have to know what you are doing, how to, like, accomplish that, and then, you, of course, it's going to take a few years to to work your way up there, so... Um, it's, I think that, that idea kind of assumes that like everyone knows exactly what they want to do and goes exactly on that track. So like, if you do that path, then it would Mm -hmm. make sense that by about the age of 30, you'd probably be where theoretically you're supposed to be. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, then, you know, there's so many things that can happen in your life that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, take you off the rails a little bit. Like, you know, I've been kind of talking like I'm so been so super focused on, um, my career path in this regard, but you know, uh, there was times where I ran into mental health issues where I feel like, you know, there's a good period in my mid twenties where a bunch of years were just basically didn't even happen. Uh, they're just kind of a blur of darkness. Uh, and you know, things like that happen, uh, being kind of stuck in series of dead end jobs and, uh, you can't, you know, like I, I was, uh, grew up in Hamilton and I wanted to get out and move to Toronto, uh, you know, way sooner than I ended up doing it. And, you know, all those sort of things, life just doesn't go the way you plan, uh, oftentimes. And, uh, I think that it shouldn't necessarily be seen as a, a marker for somebody's personal value or ability to be successful, you know? Yeah. And it's, uh, as I've seen other people comment, it's kind of more of a, like, it's just another one of those things like focusing on like youth as like a, a social currency in a sense. And, and so, and like there's the 30 over 30 under 30 lists and things like that. And, um, but I'm glad you brought up the mental health thing because Mm -hmm. that is something else I like to talk about because that absolutely is another thing that affects this. And uh, I think that 
uh, anyone who does end up having to deal with mental health issues, which I know we both have, mm-hmm. um, you have to kind of like learn and learn how to wear new hats to deal with that and to work through it. And so yeah. if you'd like to talk about any particular experiences you've had and how you've worked through them, uh, feel free. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, definitely. Um, well, the first real uh step and it seems like obvious it's cliched for a reason i guess is the the is recognizing you have a problem uh i think it's um at least in the years of school and the kind of culture i was in in that time period uh mental health was still not something that was on a lot of people's radar you know uh, the idea of anxiety and depression being as prevalent as it is um it just wasn't thought of uh, in that way i think that attitude uh where we started talking about this a lot more often probably came as a direct result of the uh uptick in social media and how like when that exploded around uh, what was that like 2008 i think when twitter and facebook kind of really started hitting their stride um or at least the years surrounding that. And I think that it was from the result of social media and the the common person bringing this up that kind of like, you know, you have the Bell Let's Talk campaign and, and things like that. So, yeah, when I first started experiencing these problems, it was like, it didn't feel like there were any resources out there. And, uh, you know, especially uh, my first kind of foray, I guess you could say, into really bad... Um, mental health problems, uh, was, uh, OCD. And, uh, when I was diagnosed with that and I was getting obsessive thoughts about awful, violent things happening to myself, loved ones, uh, and they would kind of like consume your, your consciousness and, uh, you'd spend the day just trying not to think about those things. And, uh, it leads to compulsions. It leads to, you know, just devoting a huge amount of your energy into, um, just not thinking about things that distress you. (laughs) And, um, one of the most helpful things I ever heard is there was like one particular night where I, I just thought I was losing my mind. I couldn't sleep. I called the, um, I think it was 911. It wasn't even like one of those mental health emergency hotlines. I think I literally called 911. I must have been about 22 or 23 at the time and kind of like telling them what I was going through. And I was like, it, it's like, I feel like I'm, I've just snapped, you know, uh, excuse my, uh, the, the French, uh, that I like, I I've gone really off the deep end. There's no recovering from this. I am, uh, I've, I've become, you know, for lack of a better term, a complete whack job and, uh, there's no coming back from this, you know? And, uh, the person on the other end of the phone was really helpful and, you know, kind of explained, you know, nine one one, a lot of people don't realize this, you know, it is for, these types of emergencies too. You can use this number for, for this purpose. And, um, and I, uh, I ended up being connected with some sort of psychologist or nurse through that conversation. It was something like that. Uh, mind you, you know, I was in a lot of distress, so I can't remember all the details. Um, but then the, the person I was eventually connected with, was just basically like, okay, so you're thinking about these awful things and you're thinking you're an awful person because you're thinking about these awful things. And it's like, so these thoughts distress you. And I was like, well, yeah, of course. Uh, and she's like, well, the good news is, uh, people who are legitimately psychopaths, uh, don't really get distressed 
by the uh, idea of horrible things happening, you know, or them themselves doing horrible things. They don't, it doesn't really stress them out like that. Uh, so you can probably rest assured you haven't truly lost your mind. It's just that uh, you're experiencing symptoms of OCD and there's ways to treat that and mitigate that. And for the first little while, I really was against um, pills. Uh, like I didn't want to go on medication. I kind of had a lot of the bad stigma ideas about what that meant uh, and what it would do to you and all that sort of thing. And like, oh, uh, you just become a pill popper and like, you know, so it, obviously with a lot of things I said, you know, describe myself as going out the deep end, being a whack job, don't want to be a pill popper. I had a lot of bad stigma, toxic ideas uh, about what it meant to have mental health problems. So you kind of get wrapped up in a lot of weird denial. You don't want to think you're that ill. You don't want to think this is a real problem. It's something like, you know, your mind got you into it. Surely your mind can get you out of it. You know, all these sort of uh, ideas that people tend to think when they're not better educated about mental health. Uh, so that you know, kind of just focusing on uh, or sort of uh, being obsessed uh, uh, in a manner of speaking with wanting to be better. Uh, I was just like, you know, I have all these goals in life. I have all the, these ambitions. I, it drives me crazy that this uh, would be holding me back. So that was where it sort of started being committed to uh, kind of improving. But it's, you know, ups and downs over the years. I would say now I'm uh, I did eventually get to the point where over the past couple of years, I chose to start using SSRIs. Uh, before that, got into cognitive behavioral therapy and doing all those sorts of exercises uh, to mitigate the OCD. So now, kind of leading up to now, um, I'm in a much better uh, place than I have been in a long time. And the only regret I would have about any of it looking back is that I just didn't do it sooner. And I wish I didn't have those stigmatic ideas. Um, but you know, it is what it is. And you try and do the best with uh, the cards you're dealt. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm also uh, currently on, uh, I think they're SSRIs, the ones I'm on, um, but I'm on a, a, a medication for that. And um, I've been to several different therapists over the course of my life. And I've always found that it, that it's helped me. And I think initially there was more of that that reluctance, but then when I realized like, oh, I feel better from this, um, you recognize like, okay, there's stigma and then there's feeling better. It's kind of like, you know, there's medication and there's not functioning at all. And yeah, so it's, you know, the lesser of two evils kind of thing. But um, yeah, it's it's really unfortunate that that mental health support uh, is is so stigmatized and um, that a lot of people just think because they were, you know, like with a lot of things in life, we're told to just to tough it out and to just yeah. pull up our socks and that, that really doesn't work a lot of the time. Um, oh, we, got, we all got problems, you know, and like yeah. those sort of dismissive statements uh, about yeah. how, you know, your problems aren't real and it's just in your head and, you know, kind of uh, not to get too into the weeds philosophically speaking, but you know, some of the things I touch upon in the show is uh, the philosophy that influences politics. And that's, uh, I spent a, like, I haven't done it a lot on the show so far, but in my personal life, I spent a lot of time uh, dissing Nietzsche. 
because of that. I think Nietzsche and his whole Ubermensch idea of, you know, being the master of your own reality and like you're kind of existing as this independent being in the universe. Uh, I, I think it, it, the, like that idea is very culturally pervasive and um, kind of leads to people thinking these things like, oh, I don't need to p- depend on others. I don't need to depend on therapy. I don't need to get help. I, I'm me. I got this. And it's like, yeah, people don't realize how bad that can be for them until, you know, years have gone by, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think we're going to shift in now to the, to the next question here. Cool. Um, kind of circling back a little bit. It's uh, there's a bit of a, there's method to the madness of, All right. series of questioning. I like to think, um, do you uh, think that, or I shouldn't say, do you think, um, do you have like a peak time of day where you feel uh, the most, uh, I don't want to say the most productive because that feels like it's uh, it's kind of supporting the capitalist idea that we all have to be productive to earn our yeah. keep. But like, is there a time of day that you just feel the most able to, to, to do, to uh, optimize and to do your best? Uh, yeah. I guess like in a manner of speaking, wait, like, is there a time of day where I just have all the spoons? Yeah, I guess that's uh, what yeah, you put it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And it also depends on the day. Um, there's some days, you know, still mentally speaking, uh, especially because I've been slowly trying to wean off of the SSRIs I've been taking because I feel like I've kind of hit a point where I've maximized my benefit of them and continuing to take them is just, um, it's sort of redundant and mundane. Um, but, uh, so getting off of them has been a little bit of a journey, but I've kind of, I figured out now how to manage it and manage the symptoms of withdrawal and stuff like that. Uh, but you know, it's actually funny. One of the symptoms of withdrawal is, uh, getting a uh, brain fog and losing track of your thoughts, uh, which, uh, I j- just happened to me. So remind me again, what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this question started out specifically are like, are you a morning person, a night person? Right. But then okay. I realized it was, it was more just like, yeah, when, when right. do you just feel at your best in, in the day throughout the day? Yeah. And uh, I would say on the, the days that are good, um, I'm a lot, I have a tendency to be a lot more active uh, in the later hours of the day. I'm not so much a morning person. Um, even at the day job, when I get there in the morning, I have a tendency to want to do the more kind of standstill, less focused tasks, you know, things like that. Um, yeah, I w- I, I'm definitely more of a, of a night vampire person. Um, but it's funny because these days that's been like steadily changing today. I just like up and woke up. It's my day off of work. I didn't have to be up early, but I was. And uh, I found myself in a position where it was getting close to noon. And I thought, well, I normally do my podcast at about seven o'clock uh, when I'm kind of feeling at my prime in the day. Uh, and but, you know, it's getting close to noon and I'm like, oh, I know noon's a good time to do a podcast. Maybe I'll do it. And yeah, and so I'm feeling particularly energetic right now, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe today's just a weird day. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned like the time you kind of normally would do something. Like this, this project really depends on the availability of my guests more so mm-hmm. than of myself. And 
because a lot of different people have different schedules, uh, I'm largely dependent on like, I'll suggest this time would be best for me, but if that yeah. doesn't work for you. And so I've had to do a couple of these kind of a little bit later in the day. And I usually have less energy later in the day. So, um, uh, but I find because I'm excited to do this and I look forward to it that like, I kind of get a bit of a boost from preparing and then doing it. And then when I like finish that the helps call, too. then yeah. like, I'm like, Oh, now I need to go have a nap. Cause I'm like tired again. <laughs> no, I totally agree. Like, uh, in doing this project, I found like newer reasons to be inspired and be motivated to do stuff. And it's kind of like, a it's a cyclical thing. It's the same way where when you kind of fall into like cyclical depression and stuff, uh, where, you know, you're kind of trapped on the couch or in the bed and just like watching reruns of some familiar comforting show and you're not really doing anything. You're just sort of in constant, uh, you know, self-preservation mode. Um, yeah, again, see, I forgot what I was talking about there. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, uh, I guess overcoming that is where, is where we were going with that. Um, and breaking those cycles, it's like, it's the same thing in being productive. Yeah. You uh, end up um, kind of in a productive cycle. Maybe even like some people in mental health problems might describe it as being manic. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily the case for me, but I definitely hit these strides where it's like, just do everything and I can do it and I'm totally capable and I feel extremely motivated. And uh, those are great days. But uh, I feel like it's a matter of like finding that momentum and keeping it is kind of the key. That's that's both the hard and easy part at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one kind of uh, actually, you know what? We're we're running a little bit uh, close to the end of the the time limit. I try mm -hmm. to put on these. So I think I'm gonna. I was gonna ask another question, but I think I'm gonna bump that into the bonus episode, okay. um, which you lovely viewers can get on Patreon or, or Coffee. I'll mm -hmm. put a, a link up for you. Um, but uh, I think I'm gonna try and add something here at the end of the episodes, um, as you know, as the refining, like as you said, kind of refining as I go. I think I'm really getting close to what feels like the right overall kind of uh, structure and everything. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I wanted to just kind of take a second to um, acknowledge or uh, give a, a shout out to uh, certain causes or any kind of thing that you'd like to bring awareness to like a charity or a, um, an organization. Like obviously everyone should support black lives matter. And yep. Um, I also support a uh, black legal action fund is, is one of the ones that uh, I've got a, a recurring uh, monthly donation for, but um, cool. anything aside from that, that you'd like to bring some awareness to. Well, one of the things uh, I'm trying to lean into right now, and I, uh, uh, we mention it at the end of uh, every episode of, uh, of the show, is uh, we started calling it the nuts and bolts segment of the show. Like, what is the nuts and bolts uh, of your community, of, of your day-to-day -day life, of the, you know, the things that make up your life and improve standard of living for the people uh, around you. So like not so much any singular charitable cause, but I like to promote the idea of reaching out to people in your community and like, you know, are there people in need? Are there, you know, senior citizens or people who are disabled that uh, don't have regular access to be able to get, uh, you know, groceries uh, or, 
you know, have uh, solid lines of communication to their friends and loved ones? Do they even have friends and loved ones? You know, do we know this about our neighbors? And so I'm trying to like, you know, kind of in a grassroots way, promote the idea of just people connecting with each other. Cause I feel like, especially in a place like Toronto, we have a tendency not to do that. And we kind of get isolated in our own little, you know, comfortable circles and bubbles and stuff like that. And it's not to say that's a bad thing, but I think it can become, you know, sort of like you, you become detached from uh, certain other things. So there's that. And, uh, and kind of along the same lines, I'm trying to promote the idea of people being more involved in not just that kind of community organization, but the sort of community organization that affects uh, politics. Like, you know, who do you support? Who do you vote for? Like, I'm I'm a big NDP supporter, so I'm going to be volunteering for the NDP. Uh, is there a political kind of cause that you're behind and what are you doing to uh, to support it? Because, yeah, in politics right now, especially in progressive circles, I feel like there's a lot of kind of, uh, you know, it's all theory and no action sort of stuff. And so I'm trying to kind of get away from being wrapped in these loops of talking about theory and more like, okay, what are we going to actually do to make a material difference in people's lives uh, right away? And I think, you know, uh, volunteering for political causes um, is just one of the ways to do that. Yeah, absolutely. If uh, and if that is something that you have the the capacity to do, uh, I did briefly volunteer with the NDP mm-hmm. a few years back to just kind of go door to door leading up to the election, one of the elections. Mm-hmm. Um, lately, uh, like I also try to go to local protests and demonstrations when I feel physically up to it. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's not always the case for me. Um, Especially but- these days, it's a little riskier for some. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I feel like it was certainly with with, you know, a global pandemic, there's there's less of those kinds of things happening because it's more more dangerous. Uh, just yeah. For everyone. Um, but yeah, I think with that, we are going to wrap up this main episode here. So uh, at this point, I'm going to ask you uh, to plug your stuff. Uh, tell like anything obvious or unobvious. Uh, all right. Uh, well, uh, yeah, go to uh, The Rough Go on Facebook. Uh, that's uh, where a lot of the content for the podcast and my music is, but as well as at The Rough Go, all one word, no fancy symbols or anything uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, so I always keep things updated there with everything that's going on, as well as The Rough Go channel on YouTube. Uh, that's also where uh, the rough report I did my first YouTube stream today uh, trying to get a little bit uh, away from Facebook and diversify uh, and yeah and keep uh, an eye out on those pages because more news about uh, the upcoming new music is is going to be there as well excellent uh, yeah I'll throw up a like an overlay at the end of the video we'll have all of that on it um, and yeah, so I guess the, the way that we're kind of uh, ending these these shows right now until I think of something else uh, is that we throw on a hat and we wave goodbye to the good people. But before I do that, um, or as I do that, I guess I'll say, I'll see if I can fit this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always that, put them. That's a good one. Wow. <laughs> actually, wait, yeah. you can't yeah. see. There's actually like a little yeah, flower kinda, thingy there. <laughs> it's hard to get it over my big studio headphones. But I know. Yeah, that's that the same problem. It kind of works. <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, I got to try to get into the habit of remembering to say this because I had a problem on my vlog too. Um, 
I hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, if you did, then I hope you'll like and subscribe and come back and watch uh, future episodes. And uh, each episode, uh, if the guest is able to, we also do a bonus episode where we kind of just talk more freely. And um, you can get that for as little as a dollar a month on Patreon. So I hope you will come over and check those out as well. But with that, thank you for watching this episode of Hat Collecting, and I'll see you next time. Bye.